200 accredited courses and more than 1,000 videos, the Police One Academy is a powerful online solution that provides department training programs with features that reduce time spent on records and policy management, credential tracking, and more. It is law enforcement training made simple and effective. For more information and to get a 30-day trial, visit www.policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello, and thank you for clicking, and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. I'm Doug Wiley. Hey, I'm Jim Dudley. Hey, Jim. You know, in uh, late January, um, Rio Vista, which is not too far from here, about 50 miles um, from San Francisco, a town of around 9,000 residents, um, their city council decided, uh, determined, voted, that they would disband their law enforcement, um, their local law enforcement uh, uh, representatives, um, giving the policing duties to their surrounding county sheriff's office that's the solano county sheriff's office you know uh, rio vista you know while it's local news to us is is not alone uh, last year the town of deposit new york another relatively small rural town in upstate new york um of i think comparable size um voted to uh d- dismantle essentially their de- police department um ridgetop in Tennessee, um, some months before that, did, decided to do the same thing. Freedom, Wisconsin. Now, a lot of these places sound like really good places to live. I'd love to live in Freedom, Wisconsin, <laughs> except for the fact that you don't have a local municipal law enforcement um, who really know your community. You know, one of the things about particularly hometowns, I grew up in a very small hometown in upstate New York. They call it upstate when it's in Westchester. Um, the, the police actually get to know the families. They get to know the, the proprietors of the businesses. They get to know, you know, the ins and outs of where the speeders are or where the kids who are smoking out back of the whatever uh, are. They get a very good sense. And this is also true, of course, in, in large urban areas where you have patrol officers who are focused on very specific sectors. They get to know what's going on. And when you have that's disbanding of law enforcement agencies, um, again, particularly in these rural, um, smaller communities, and those police responsibilities being taken over by much larger organizations that have um, far more vast patrol areas, you don't get the same level of customer service, do you? No, if that's the role of today's police, I think you're right, but I think there's a shift um, among non-law enforcement people to have less police or to have police in a reactive role rather than a proactive role. Like firefighters. Yeah, right. No, I, we just talked about this at school that, um, you know, I always ask the question, would you rather have the police be proactive or reactive? And for the people who say reactive, I tell them, well, if if you're not preventing crime, then you're responding to crime that's already happened. And if that's the case, yeah, law enforcement can be like fire departments. They can hole up in a building, not do patrol. They can wait for the 911 call and go take a report while somebody's getting launched into an ambulance or a medical examiner's Mm -hmm. truck. And it's too late then, right? So uh, proactive policing has been impacted by things like the Ferguson effect Mm -hmm. and by um, civil liberties uh, groups that uh, claim uh, racism or economic deprivation or whatever the uh, 
issue du jour is to keep police from from taking people on in the streets. I don't agree with it. I think police should maintain their position in communities. On a national average, I believe most agencies have a ratio of anywhere from two to three or more officers per thousand residents. And that's sort of a universal formula. The DOJ and the Bureau of Justice Statistics go by that. Uh, but you have a small town. So in a town like Rio Vista with 9,000 residents, what's that, um, 18 cops? Or, maybe, yeah, maybe. under 20 for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I don't know if you're getting the 24-7 service that you're describing. Mm-hmm. I don't think you are. I think you've got to be smart with where you position people and your most active times. And I think that's what people forget, that um, you know, when there, there are claims of profiling and saturation of uh, areas, uh, by and large, the public wants police to be efficient. And that means that you, sh- you should use whatever you have available to, whether it's crime maps or artificial intelligence, to look at where crime happens and put cops there. Cops on the dots, right? That goes way back to New York and Bratton and Maple and all of it, right? So I agree, we should be efficient. You know, when they're saying, um, you know, why don't you have cops in fill in the blank, the richest area of your city? Why don't you have them walking the beat or standing around? Because we don't need them there. We want the cops to be where the crime happens. I don't think cops should give in. I don't think agencies should give in. I don't think we should give up the numbers. I think we should go with the tried and true ratios. Um, I believe that we can use force multipliers when we do bring in housing specialists, homeless specialists, mental health crisis specialists, and let them deal with the problems that for a long time, I, I believe, is mission creep. You're asking cops to do all these other things and now you're saying, be, we, we talked about this we on the last talk, we podcast. We just talked about it a couple of weeks ago, yeah. The, the, the community, the, the public wants the police to be all, end all, and it's impossible. So uh, chiefs aren't going to want to hear this. Sheriffs aren't going to want to hear this. But give up some of your budget and bring in some of these people. Let's see some white trucks with mental health specialists driving around. Mm-hmm. Let's see some homeless advocates driving around, picking people up and taking them to shelters. Um, you know, things like the Boise deci- decision that says that uh, you can't enforce any public nuisance laws or any anti-homeless laws if you don't have space for them. Well, then let's let some advocates or people better prepared to deal with those situations. Let them get out of the truck and go uh, engage those people. Yeah, you know, and I completely agree with you. I think that if we enable um, cities to um, serve their citizens with multiple kind of avenues of service that isn't just, I'm going to call 911 because there's a person on my deck. Right. Uh, I'm going to call 911 and get the cops coming because there's someone who looks hinky in my neighborhood. You know, there's all kinds of other potential civil service members, members of the community or members of the, the, um, the let's put it in finger quotes here, the government, who can better deal with someone who's mentally challenged, someone who's an autistic person potentially who's mm-hmm. maybe gravitated towards water. The cops aren't the only answer to every question. Sure. But, you know, I do want to get back to the fact that these uh, years and years ago when I first started doing this this work in law enforcement, you know, I was never a cop, but 
they started calling it consolidation. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen the word consolidation in any of the coverage of these latest closures. And, you know, it's, again, it's in Tennessee, it's in New York, it's in California. And these smallish towns that have, you know, let's say 12 to 24 officers per department. Some of them are like two to three officers yep. per department. Yep. <laughs> um, and, you know, they only have coverage for like, you know, eight to 10 hours a day. And right. that's all they can possibly Ring do. Ring the bell for right. further service. So the sheriff's department's involved already to begin yeah. with in coverage. So that's yeah, notwithstanding. Some areas have gone to, uh, if they do fold up shop for the, the local PD, I have seen contract cities where within a county, mm-hmm. in, in the county I live, there are uh, 26 separate cities uh, and unincorporated unincorporated areas, and the sheriff that serves that area has taken over three of the cities. Yep. They, they are contract uh, law enforcement, and usually there there is no real uh, personnel transaction. People don't get fired, and a whole new group gets. No, hired. they just work for a different agency. They work for they change the patches on yep. their uniform, change the emblem on the side of the car. Usually, somebody from the host agency, whether it's the sheriff's department. Uh, or whoever they um, they assume the role of the leadership, uh, take on the role of the chief, maybe a captain or or similar rank of the sheriff's office. They go in as the new chief, and and maybe there's some restructure, but um, I've seen some really smooth transitions where uh, it's economical for these towns, and they get pretty close to, if not better, level of service by the contract uh, county sheriff. Okay, well, that's that's a fair point. I, 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 you know, again, I grew up in a small town. All the cops knew all the kids, and all the kids knew all of the cops. Um, so I had there was value for me in my community. I think in in having that kind of, it wasn't exactly Mayberry, but it wasn't you know the New York City Police Department either. And there was there was real value in having those relationships. Well, I'm sure that's still true in in areas where it's livable that mm-hmm. you can. You make a living wage and, and the uh, standard of living, the cost of living is within your means. A lot of times now in, in bigger cities, um, regardless of how much money you make, it, it still might be near impossible to, to buy or to send your kids to really good schools. Um, so you may be commuting from long distance already. So in in the in the verbiage of the the anti-police people uh, of an occupying army. I mean, you've had people commuting to towns that they don't live in and working there for a long, long time, and it'll continue. Yeah, I mean, just speaking of, of the Bay Area, you know, you lived and worked in San Francisco 30-plus uh, years as a officer, retired as deputy chief in San Francisco. Um, back in the day when you started, you had the ability to continue to remain in San Francisco. Yep. I know people who um, have worked in San Jose and commuted from the Central Valley. That's like 90 minutes per at the minimum just to get to and from work sure. for a 10-hour shift. Sure. And so it, it, it's become untenable for a lot of these agencies to have people live in close proximity uh, and again, that's, I get back to the kind of the, the more rural jurisdictions, the smaller jurisdictions where that opportunity does still kind of exist in most, in many cases at least, um, where you don't have to travel 90 minutes from 
wherever in upstate New York to deposit New York, you know, which, you know, it had, I think, maybe 18 or something officers. It's mm. just to me, it, when I see these agencies consolidate and close and, and having city councils look at it and go, well, that's just a budget item. It's not a budget item. It's service to the community. Yeah. And for me, it kind of, it breaks my heart a little bit. I get it intellectually. I totally understand it that sometimes from a budget standpoint, it's better to contract with the sheriff's department. It, you're going to get more for your dollar, but it's still maybe I'm just uh, hanging emotionally onto a thinner thread. I just feel like it, some communities lose some of that Mayberry and finger quotes feeling of having that relationship with your officers. Yeah, but I think then the burden falls on the, the leadership, the executive leadership, whether it's City Hall or the police leadership mm-hmm. to say, what, is, what are our goals? What's, what's our mission for our community? And if it's dealing with people, then you, you do all the things you do to deal with people, cops in the schools, mm-hmm. cops walking footbeats in the, in the uh, retail areas and things like that. But then you streamline other areas where calls for service for some things just don't happen or they are telephone or online reports being made. So mm-hmm. you have to give and take. You have to use what's available, use technology, cut corners. Uh, maybe you're not doing CSI work on every auto break in. Uh, maybe you do have, you know, like a Costco tire shop where you bring in your car, get it fingerprinted, dusted and off you go. But you do lose some of those essential otherwise face to face services that we used to have. I, I think you know, part of that wanting us to do everything and be everything. Um, everybody has a limited capacity. And if something comes in the door, something's got to go out the back door. And uh, those in charge have to be really smart of how they serve the community that they work in best. Yeah, agencies are oftentimes asked too frequently uh, to put 10 pounds of something in a five pound bag. Right. Right. Uh, what's going on in your jurisdiction? What's going on where you're working? Do you see consolidation? Are you part of the solution to help small towns, rural areas to uh, police uh, and, and protect their citizens um, by by lending a hand uh, as part of mutual, if you will, um, aid? Send us an email to policingmatters at police1.com. That is policingmatters at police1.com. Thank you again for listening.